Hi there, and God bless you. I'm Brian Hallam. I pray that this message is a blessing to you. Thank you for downloading it, and thank you for following me on Twitter and Instagram and for liking and sharing what we post there. I just want you to know that I believe God wants to do something great in your life and in your family. So as we go into the Word today, let's go in with faith and hope and a high level of expectation for what God is going to do in your life. Praise God. Be seated in the house if you would. If you have your Bible, open up to Proverbs chapter number 3. Proverbs chapter number 3. We're going to start around verse 24, but I, I want to talk, I want to give... Three keys today, and it's, it, it's kind of a, a unique message. I, I, I was really before the Lord, and I just said, Lord, you know, what would you have me share in the middle of summer? And it, Here's what I feel like the Lord is trying to get across to us even now. It's don't be two-faced. Come on, look, look at your neighbor. Look him right in the face and just say, don't be two-faced. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Aren't you glad you came to church on Sunday? Praise God. Let me soften it up a little bit. It's like we all have a couple of faces nowadays. And I don't mean this disrespectful, and it's not just picking on the generations and the technology that is around today, but have you ever noticed that our social face or our profile pic is oftentimes very different than our actual face? My wife and I will be married 15 years uh, pretty soon, and for 15 years we've gone, we've averaged at least one date a week. You say, how do you do that? Well, it's very expensive. Let me just tell you that. Praise the Lord. Because not only are you buying dinner and a movie, once you start having kids, you start having uh, babysitters and all that. But to us, it's just something that we budget, and it's something uh, we consider an investment in each other and in our marriage, so we continue it. But I find it very interesting, and maybe you'll, you'll have seen this before, or uh, if this hits too close to home to you, uh, just be careful. They say, you know, if, you're, if, you're, if somebody's stepping on your toes, get your feet out of the way. But we'll go eat dinner, and we'll be at a restaurant, and we'll look over, and there'll be another couple having dinner, and, and, and I can't help it. I'm just a people person, so I look around the room, and you'll see people, and they'll be on a date, and you'll see the, the guy and the gal, and both of them just with a, look like, look like they've just been sucking on lemons. They just got a sour face, you know. And they're both just buried in that cell phone, just wham, 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 wham. Whether they're texting or, or, or Facebooking or, or Instagram or whatever it is. And again, I'm not picking on our generation or the technology. I, I wouldn't know what to do without a cell phone nowadays. But so many times in our life, we just find ourselves buried in it. And we'll be out to eat and we'll look over at a, at a couple sitting there. And they'll both just be buried in it until it is selfie time. And then all of a sudden... Old prune face and old lemon lip turn into the biggest smile imaginable and one leans over to the other and they're just smiling big as Texas, just, just cheese and then boom, they take the picture and instantaneously it's back to old prune face. Then they post it on the on 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 social media, and it's like, oh, just out with my man, praise the Lord, hashtag blessed, hashtag faith, hashtag still in love, hashtag sweetheart, hashtag BFF, God is so faithful. 
And the reality is they hadn't said two words to one another while they're sitting there. But their social face is looking very different than their daily face. What if I told you your profile pic is not wrong because most of the time it's what you want to be. And it's what you want people to think you are. How many of you have that friend? It seems like every other picture is a toes in the sand picture. And you're like, do you live on vacation? What is going on? Oh, guys, don't, don't get it twisted. It's your buddy who every picture, it's with a new boat or it's a truck or it's a, it's a new deer rifle or whatever. And you're like, do you even work, man? What do you do? What if I told you you could be what you actually wanted people to believe you are? What if I told you your social face can be your daily face and you don't have to have permission to do so? Proverbs three twenty four says this. When you lie down, you don't have to be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Don't be afraid of sudden fear, neither of desolation of the wicked when it comes. Verse 26. For the Lord shall be your confidence. If you are going to begin to be what you want everybody to think you are, the first thing you have to recognize is your own confidence will fail. Your education, your experience, your intelligence, how physically fit you are, how physically fit you are not, how clean your teeth are, how straight your teeth are, how crooked your teeth are, praise the Lord. I look up when I say it. But what I'm saying is simply this, your confidence will have holes in it. If you're going to become what God has called you to be and what you actually want to be, You're going to have to let God be your confidence. That means in the middle of the valley of despair, you still remember that you're the head and not the tail. That means in the middle of all of your issues, whenever you're applying for the job and you've got no confidence walking in, you walk in with great confidence because your confidence doesn't come from who you are. Your confidence comes through who He is. You can actually be what God has called you to be. See, there's nothing wrong with taking a good picture for, for, for your profile picture or for your social face. I mean, bless God, we don't want to be taking a bunch of bad pictures and saying, let me get a, the worst picture I can think of and put it on the internet to represent me. But what I'm saying is you don't have to be two people. You don't have to be the, the, the profile picture that's nothing but confidence and you're standing up on a mountain and, and the wind is blowing and everything's wonderful and, and life just looks grand and you just, you, you sit there and you think just hashtag God is so good. You don't have to come off of that thought process just because Monday morning shows up. You can find confidence in who God is. You can find confidence in who He's called you to be. And if you will hold on to His confidence, when your confidence begins to wane, the Bible says, where I am weak, He is strong. Come on, give God a hand of praise today if we're going to trust in His confidence. Furthermore, if we're going to literally 
If we are going to literally begin to keep that social face, the face that we want to be. See, most people never, they, 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 they never get to the place where they actually become what they want to be. But you're not most people. See, you're in the house of God on Sunday morning. That means you want to know what does God's word say? What can I glean from his holy Bible to begin to push me in the direction that he's called me to go? Most people never become, listen, most people never become what they want to be. And this is the heavy part. And, and listen, I, my toes are in the same rows that you are. But listen to this. They blame everyone around them. Why not? Most people never become everything that they want to be and they blame everyone around them. And there's this place in there where you have to sit there and you go, but you don't understand what I'm going through and you don't understand what I'm experiencing and you can't understand what has happened to me. Number two, never, and I mean never, let go of hope. Hope is one of the most powerful driving forces on the planet. Hope will make you keep going when everything around you is telling you to stop. There was a lady one time, and, and she was going to swim. There's an island off the coast of California, and she was going to swim off the coast of, off that island, and she was going to swim all the way to the mainland of California. And all of a sudden, she'd been swimming. I think it was 17 hours, if my memory serves me. And she was getting close, and she was like 300 yards from land. And all of a sudden, a fog set in. And she couldn't see the shore. And she calls out, and there were some rules where the boat couldn't tell her how far she had to go. And she said, you guys got to pull me out of here. And they pulled her out of the water. And as soon as she got on the water, she began to weep because they said, you only had 300 yards to go. And she said, if I could have seen the shore, I could have kept going. If I would have just had a glimmer of hope, I could have kept going. You see, you and me as Christians have to hold on to hope. One translation says it like this. It says, hold fast your profession or your confession of faith. Don't ever let go of the idea and the concept that God is working behind the scenes and your future, your latter is going to be better than your past. You have to hold on to hope. No matter how good today is, you've got to understand that God has even more promises in your tomorrow. You have to hold on to hope. No matter how bad your yesterday was, no matter how bad your today is, you have to hold on to hope because everything won't always be the same. But the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob does not fail we have to hold fast our profession of faith number one you've got to find your confidence in who he is number two you have to hold on to hope the Bible says, and I'll read it out of the New English translation, Jeremiah 29, 11, I know what I have planned for you, says the Lord. I have plans to prosper you, not to harm you. I have plans to give you a future filled with hope. When God designed you, the Bible says you were fearfully, which means carefully and wonderfully made. He paid great attention to detail. Some of us, he made more handsome than others. <laughs> but he put our eyes on the front of our face, not on the back of our head. You were designed 
to look forward and not spend all your time looking back. If we're going to become what God has called us to be, and I'm here to tell you, you can be what you want to be in God. You don't have to be bitter. Did you feel the shift? I just felt it just instantly. You don't have to be offended. You don't have to be arrogant. You don't have to be rude. You don't have to be short-tempered. You don't have to have a problem with everybody around you. You don't have to constantly believe that everybody is out to get you. You don't have to be one picture, one face in a selfie and then another face in real life. You can actually be what you have been called to be in God, but you've got to lay aside some weights because there's some stuff you've got to pick up and hold on to. The first thing you've got to hold on to is your confidence in God because you're not confident because of what you've done and because of who you are. You're confident because of what He has done and who He's made you to be. And we're not giving up on hope. We're not letting go of it. I remember when I was a, when I was a, a, a teenager and as a child, my, my uncle pastors a church down in Lamarck, Texas. He, it's a great big church, done phenomenal things. And, and we would go down and visit as a family. Uh, just go see your family like you would think. And we would be around him. And I thought, there is no way that somebody can talk like that all the time. Because all he ever said is God is going to make a way where there was no way. God is going to strengthen us. God is going to overcome. Greater is he than is in me than he that's in the world. So he'd sit up there and he'd preach, he'd preach a message because the only thing that I ever knew that I was going to be in my life was a pastor. But the problem is, like everybody who's ever been in church, I've had some pastors in my life that were kind of screwballs. And I said, I don't want to be like that. God, if that's what you want me to be, you pick the wrong guy. I don't want to be like that. They don't, they don't, they don't, when they say it, they don't mean what they say. When they talk, they don't show up. All these different things. I said, Lord, I don't want to be like that. If that's what a preacher is, tell somebody else to be a preacher. I don't want to be a preacher. And then we went down and saw my uncle and we'd be visiting and he'd be preaching a message and, and I would leave there just, just glowing red hot with faith. I said, my God, heaven may open up tomorrow. God is just, he's amazing and he can help us do anything. And I'd just be so full of faith. I said, man, I can do that. And then we'd go to lunch and he'd sit there and he'd be, he'd be eating his lunch and he'd be taking a bite. He said, boy, God is good, isn't he? I'm like, you can't talk like that all day. And then we'd go to his house and the the Dallas Cowboys would be playing and he'd be talking about how faithful God is. I said, my God, he's faithful. And then he'd turn the channel to the news and the news would say something. They'd say, oh, it's going to rain cats and dogs tomorrow. And he'd say, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I said, my God, all he does is speak faith. So you can't be like that all the time. I went years thinking, no way this is how he really is. Then when I became a teenager, I started to go down and stay with him more often. I'd stay with him sometimes days, days at a time. And I was so interested in what he would have to say, I would get up at 4 o'clock in the morning, 
And I would get up and I would take a shower and I would shave my face, even though there was nothing to shave, I would shave my face. And the reason I would shave my face is because he made a joke. He made a joke one time. He said, he said uh, uh, something, somebody had a, a, a new beard or something. He goes, you know, well, you know what the old saying is? And they said, what's that? He said, half shaved, half saved. And he was just making a joke. But I thought, whoa, is that in the Bible? You know <laughs> You see, our worship pastor believes that, Matthew Humphrey, <laughs> Jedediah Humphrey. <laughs> I would get up at 4 o'clock in the morning, I would go downstairs, and it'd be like 4.30, and I'd, I'd have my Bible, and if anybody's from this time of the church world, I had my big King James Thompson chain reference, which was approximately this thick. And then I had a couple of notebooks and two or three pens, in case the ink went out in one of them, and then a couple of highlighters, because you don't want to highlight everything the same color, you know what I'm saying? I'm a super Christian. Some things I want red, some things I want green, you know? And so I'm carrying all my stuff downstairs, and I'd set it on the table, just waiting for him to get up, because I wanted to hear, what's this man of God have to say? And... And he'd get up and he'd come around the corner and I'd hear him uh, singing a song. Great is thy faithfulness. I'm like, no way. He's like this all the time. He comes around the corner and goes, oh, Brian, you're, you're already up. It's 5 o'clock in the morning. I'm like, oh, yes, sir. You know, God is so faithful. You know, I just, <laughs> I like to get up and see every sunrise, you know. Glory to God. I was lying through my teeth. I just wanted to get up and see when he had anything to say. So I'm sitting there, and we'd sit down and have a cup of coffee, and he'd just go right into it. He's, boy, God's got his hand on your life. He's going to make a way for you. I tell you what, greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. Today's going to be a day of great victory. I'm excited for what God's going to do. And I thought, there's no way that's how you really talk all the time. And years went by. And things happened. Things I won't discuss today, but things that a parent should never go through. And even in the worst moments, the only thing coming out of his mouth was how God was going to make a way where there was no way. And I began to see all Christians are not two-faced Christians. There are people that are out there trying to be what God has called us to be. And I'm here today to tell you it's possible. You don't have to be what the world expects you to be and then project some superstar image. You can actually live by faith 24 hours a day, seven days a week. But you've got to know it's possible because if you don't know it's possible, you'll never pursue it. Case in point, less than 200 years ago, Wilbur and Orville Wright proved that it was possible to fly an airplane. And in less than 200 years, we have done outlandish things, including put men on the moon and land different pieces of equipment on Mars. 
Because as soon as it was proven possible, now it could be pursued. You see, you don't have to have two faces. You can take the image, the profile that you want everybody to think you are, and brick by brick, moment by moment, minute by minute, you can become that person. How do you do it? By going back to the likeness and the image that he originally created you to be in. Maybe your mom or dad was a bitter prude. You don't have to be a bitter prude just because they were. Maybe your dad drank too much and it caused unbelievable pain in your family. I'm here to tell you You don't have to follow that same process. You can be what God has called you to be. And it starts with holding on to His confidence and holding on to hope in the middle of every valley. If your parents were saints and you have somehow drifted away from that, you don't have to keep drifting. The same God that made your parents kind and gentle and smart and, and, and pursuing faith above all these other things, the same God that did that is the same God that will put His holy hand on you and, be, and give you the ability to believe God in the face of all adversity. You don't have to have two faces. Joel Osteen is this way. I'll never forget the first time that I met him. He walked in the room and I began to weep. Eight hours later, I was still crying. And I didn't know why. All I knew is something was very different about this man. He walked in and began to share stories And not the stories you would think of about buying $100 million buildings. He began to share stories about uh, going down the Amazon in a dugout canoe with his daddy because they were convinced that finding one person that doesn't know Jesus was worth risking everything. Pursuing the lost at any cost. He began to talk and as soon as he came to the name of Jesus, he had to stop and collect himself because it was so obvious that even the mention of the name of Jesus pulled him to a place of compassion and humility that I had never seen anybody else go to in that, in that time of my life. I'd never seen anybody act that way. Number three. You have to hold on to joy. See, one thing that Pastor Joel knows is the joy of the Lord is our strength. Have you ever heard a critic of Lakewood or the Osteens and they say something so stupid? They say, I don't like him. He smiles too much. I actually had somebody say that to me. He smiles too much for me. In other words, he is committed to staying in the strength of God. The joy of the Lord is our strength. The scripture says we can cast our cares upon him because he cares for us. If we're going to go through this summer 
And don't just go through it. Let me tell you something. You're going to sweat whether you like it or not. You don't have a say in the matter. Whether or not you change is up to you. Whether or not you decide to begin to pursue the person that you know God has called you to be or you just decide to continue the two-faced lifestyle where you sit at the table and you're not saying a word but there's when the time comes up you take a smiling picture but then you go right back to the same old, same old stuff and it's no different from the world. I say this, you are in the world but you are not of the world. It's time for Christians to begin to rise up and to begin to walk out the life that God has called us and empowered us to walk out. The first thing we have to remember is it's not your confidence. Your confidence will fail. Before you know it, something will hit you so hard that it will wreck you to the soul and the core of who you are. It is in that moment that you do not rely on your own confidence. It's in that moment that you rely on the confidence that is found in our Lord Jesus Christ and Him alone. You've got to hold on to hope. Paul and Silas were locked in prison. They weren't locked in prison for selling dope. And they weren't locked in prison for murder. They were locked in prison for preaching the gospel. And the Bible says that they were bound in stocks in the middle of the inner prison. And the Bible says long about the midnight hour, they couldn't find anything else to do. So they decided that they were going to worship and magnify God. And in the darkest of night came the greatest of miracles. The Bible says as they began to lift up their voice and they began to sing songs like great is thy faithfulness oh God my father there is no shadow of turning with thee all I have needed thy hands hath provided great is thy faithfulness oh God to me the, wind, the Bible says that when they began to sing out great songs of joy and worship, that the foundation of the prison began to shake and the earth began to quake and all of a sudden the stocks and the chains that bound them fell lifeless to the ground beside their body. The prison doors opened for every person in the room and they began to share the good news of the gospel and even the jailer got set free. What I'm trying to say is you've got to hold on to hope even in the midnight hour. If you can't do anything but squeak out a small praise in the middle of your valley of despair, you find a way to praise God. Because if you'll refuse to give up hope, you'll see the hand of God move in your life. Lastly, and maybe most important, the joy of the Lord is not a joke or a game. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Don't get out of joy. You say, well, you don't understand. Everything in my life is not making me happy. I didn't say anything about happiness. Happiness comes from the root word happens. In other words, if something good happens to you, you are happy. Praise the Lord. If you get home and your wife has baked some cookies, you are happy because of what has happened, praise the Lord. Joy is a decision. Joy is a choice. When I grew up, it was a very different environment. When I grew up, children worked, praise the Lord. We went to school, we did our sports, our extracurricular activities, we were at church, and then other than that, we were working. My parents believed the Bible where it said, idle hands are the devil's workshop. We didn't have idle hands at our house. 
I'll never forget. I will never forget when I decided it was summertime and we had a babysitter because my, both my parents, uh, they were working, running businesses. And I called one day and said, Mom, I am bored. She goes, okay, I'll come get you. <laughs> and I worked like a dog the rest of the day in the heat. The next morning she said, just call me if you get bored. But what was interesting is this. We took vacations and we just had a great time growing up. But some of my fondest memories were in some of the worst of times. Neck deep in a pile of work, sweating to beat the band. And all of a sudden, we just start laughing. Go home, drink a glass of sweet tea. Mm, Praise the Lord. Sorry. (laughs) Drink a glass of sweet tea and laugh about how hot it was. Laugh about what happened. Because it wasn't what we were doing that brought joy. Joy was a decision. And even when we were working our fingers to the bone, we found strength. Because my parents never let us us lose our joy. My kids will tell you, you come moping around my house, you're going to find something to do. (laughs) Get your shoulders back. Put a smile on your face. Hum a good song. We're thankful for the hand of God in our life. This is what I say to my children. I'm not even playing. Get your shoulders back. Put a smile on your face. Sit up straight. God's too, God's too good to us to be moping around. God's too faithful to be moping around. He healed our body. He set us free. If we don't have anything else to do, we can magnify God for the city called heaven. We're going to hold fast our profession of faith. And we're not letting go of joy. Because if you get out of joy, you get into weakness. When you get into weakness, your emotions follow. And when your emotions are at the, are at the highest, your wisdom is at its lowest. You're not going to be confident in your own life all the time. It's not possible. That's why he said, I will be your confidence. Some of you that are in sales, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You're hesitant to try to find, how can I start the conversation? What do I do? What do I not do? Let God be your confidence. Before you walk into that sales meeting, before you go into that presentation, before you go in to give that speech, before you go in to meet that person, you sit in your car, you sit on that plane or wherever you are, you say, I thank you, Lord, that you are my confidence. And wherever I go, you're there too. I'm not going to be self-conscious. I'm not going to be intimidated. I'm not going to look down on myself. I'm the head, not the tail. You're my confidence. Jesus, let's go knock this meeting out of the park. This is how your life changes from Monday to Friday and not just on the weekend. You begin to take these processes and principles and before you know it, your profile pic is what you actually look like, sound like, and talk like. And that old view that used to be bitter and arrogant and everybody's got a problem and it's too sandy at the beach and everybody's against you, all of a sudden that's a thing of the past because now you are becoming what you've always wanted to be. You're confident in Him. You never let go of your hope. You never let go of hope. It might not be the same anymore. 
But that doesn't mean it's not going to be good in God. You never let go of hope. Stand to your feet if you would, please. And you never let go of joy. You never let go of joy. People ought to come to your house, and if they don't know Jesus, they ought to think it's weird how much joy is in the house. Why are y'all singing while you do the dishes? Because God is so faithful. Why? You just got finished mowing the yard. Why are you smiling? Because God is so faithful. But I thought they said that they were having layoffs at work. Yeah, but God supplies my needs according to His riches in glory. I'm not going down and getting the pit with the pigs. The joy of the Lord is your strength. That's why the devil attacks it so hard. But he can't take it. It can only be given away. He can't take it. It can only be given away. Don't give away your joy. You lose your joy when you lose your profession of faith. Because you start saying what your circumstances are saying instead of what God's Word says about your circumstances. Oh, but you don't understand. The doctor's report is this. The bills are stacking up. What does that have to do with the price of tea in China? God never fails. Come on, give God a hand of praise this morning. We're going to pray in just a minute, but before we do, would you please bow your head and close your eyes? If you're here today and you're not right with God, you're not living right, you're not doing right, Jesus is not Lord of your life. Everything I'm saying, everything I'm saying is subordinate to whether or not you know Him. The first step is you've got to know Him. Jesus died and rose from the dead to set us free and give us a new life. All of your sins will be washed away. You don't have to leave here feeling guilty anymore. If that's you, you say, you know what? I've never given my life to Jesus and I want to today. I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that in just a moment. Maybe you would say this. You would say, I used to walk strong with God, but something happened and I've gone out of relationship with Him. He might still be my Savior, but I have not been a close friend to Him. If that's you and you say, I've backslidden, I've gone away from God... I'm going to give you that opportunity to recommit your life today. So if you're here and you've never said yes to Jesus or you need to give your life to Jesus uh, and refresh that relationship, when I count to three, just lift your hand real tall. Nobody's looking around. Nobody's here to embarrass you. This is very important to God. It's very important to you. I see those hands already. God bless you. If that's you, you've never given your life to Jesus or you need to give it back to Him. When I count to three, just lift your hand. One... Two, three, lift your hands. I see that hand, I see that hand, I see that hand, I see that hand, I see that hand. Is there anyone else? You say, I I sense something in my heart. I can tell you what that something is. That's the Holy Spirit of God pricking your heart, saying, hey, 
Let me do a work in you. Let me start this whole thing over. Let me rebuild your life. Let me wash your sins away. One, two, three, lift it up. If you lifted your hand or you wanted to, pray this prayer after me. Matter of fact, church help us pray. Say this, say, oh God, I come to you now and I ask you to save me. Write my name in your book. I believe Jesus died and rose from the dead for my victory. I repent of my sins. I'm a Christian now. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Praise God. God bless you for making that powerful decision. We hope you were blessed by today's podcast. If you'd like more information about Pastor Brian or New Heights Church, visit newheightschurch.info and be sure to follow Pastor Brian on Twitter and Instagram. Until next time, thank you so much for liking and sharing.